to all of you guys for inviting me back uh, in the new year, 2021. Hope you're all doing well and, and had a great start to the year. Um, I've noticed that a lot of people have hoped that 2021 will be better. Um, you know, chuck out 2020 in the trash can, look forward to 2021. But it's fair to say we've just witnessed unprecedented events that have happened in our nation. And on top of that, we've had more people die of COVID than, than, than um, in one single day than, than any other day in 2020. Um, I believe last week it was around 4,000 people in one single day that died of COVID-19. So I really do believe and I'm really praying that this nation of ours um, is restored and renewed back to God. This morning, I want to pre preach a very important message that's been on my heart um, as I'm thinking through this year is, and I'm sure many church leaders, whether elders or pastors, they're thinking through this as well, that we need a revival. We need a revival. Now, some of you may ask, Ben, why revival? Well, revival depicts and implies a picture of restoration and rebuilding. Now, with everything that has happened in 2020, from the devastating wildfires in California, ongoing pandemic, civil unrest, to ongoing political tensions, we are wanting to ask God to restore and rebuild not only our nation's values back to God's desire, but our own very own commitment to himself and to the church. You see, with all that's happened in 2020, we can't help but ask the big question, what exactly is God doing? You see, 2020 has in many ways flipped everything upside down and caused us to rethink many things, whether in our lives, in our ministry, in our relationships, things that, will, that we thought would never happen have happened. Man-made kingdoms, structures, economy, government that we so heavily relied on have collapsed before our very eyes. And on top of that, the church, we can no longer meet and gather together because of COVID. And not to mention there's another mutant COVID strain that has been a Hearing and, and some people say it's far worse than COVID-19. So the question we need to be asking is, what is God doing? Or another question that we can think through is, where is God taking us? And a question that may, may be closer to home for you guys at Home of Christ 4 is, where is God taking Home of Christ 4 in this time and place? Where is God taking you guys? Now, I don't know exactly what God is doing, nor can I answer where he may be leading all of you guys. But one thing we can be responsible for is preparing ourselves for whatever comes in 2021. And that means we need revived hearts and minds dependent on God's word and empowered by his spirit. You see, only when we believe these truths, going back to his word and a reliance on his spirit, then we're able to experience revival as a nation and as a church community. So it's my prayer and my hope that you guys are at Hoc 4 through the preaching of God's word this year, through earnest prayer, through community life, through godly living and living it out in, in different aspects, whether it be missions and social justice, whatever it may be, that you will experience revival and it will renew your hearts to God and to his church like never before. So I just want to begin uh, by saying a word of prayer. God, our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit which touches us and transforms us. Oh, Lord, we pray for revival in our nation. All the things that have been going on, Lord, we need you to come and restore and renew, to restore and renew everyone. Lord, from the government to our community leaders, to our church, 
to us as individuals. We need you, O oh Lord, to come and rejuvenate and refresh and revive us. Lord, we need your word like never before. We need your spirit to move and transform us. O oh Lord, help us to prepare our hearts to know you, to love you, and to seek that revival. Lord, I pray all this in, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, 2020 was a year when many of you went on hikes. Because of lockdown, CDC we, has encouraged people to, to either stay home or, or to not go out to cafes or restaurants. But one thing that was allowed was hiking and outdoor activities. And, and because of that, starting March uh, in 2020, Americans got new activities in significant numbers. And, and because of that, um, there's ongoing research as to exactly uh, how many people went outside to hike or to cycle or to run. And in some popular hiking places in the Bay Area, I'm sure you guys would agree, it's so hard to find a car spot because it's absolutely packed, right? Every Tom, Dick and Harry in, in, in the Bay Area is, is there. Now forget about keeping social distancing because it's so hard to do because everyone wants to get out of their house homes and, and, and go outdoors to enjoy the weather and not be stuck at home in front of their computers using Zoom. Now for myself, I was able to um, check out a few new places I've come to love and appreciate during COVID lockdown. And for those of you, uh, you may some of you may know this place. It's called Torpedo Wharf in San Francisco. Torpedo Wharf in San Francisco. I, I really love this place. It's, it's in downtown San Francisco. It's located right under the Golden Gate Bridge. So it's a beautiful place where you can walk down the PR. You can see all the fishermen. They spend hours catching fish and crabs. And, you know, when I first came to this place, I did the obvious, right? I, I, I stood there. I, I took photos. I took photos of the seals. Uh, I took photos of the fishermen catching fish and catching crabs. But as I went to this place more and more during COVID lockdown, I started to notice two groups of people. I started to notice two groups of people. The first one is the locals. And the second one is the tourists. The locals and the tourists. And you know how you can tell someone's a local? Well, you can tell, right? They come in, they come out, they do their thing, they head out. There's no phones, there's no tents, there's no strolling around. They have their AirPods on and they either run around the area, fish for a couple of hours, maybe then head, head back home. It's, it's sort of like clockwork. They clock in and they clock out. And you can almost sense a, a, them having this attitude of, I've been here, I've done that. And they know the place back to front, the locals, right? The other group, however, like myself, are the tourists. We don't know exactly how to dress when we come to these places. We don't know whether it's going to be cold or hot. We take a while looking for parking. And when we arrive at the destination, the first place that we're looking for is the restrooms. We're, we're sort of like walking around, looking at everyone's bucket along the PR to see if they've got any fish or crabs. We're stopping every minute to take a photo. There's a sense of excitement when we come to these places because everything is new. We can appreciate all the things around us. Now, this got me thinking. When it comes to our spiritual lives, my concern and my worry for many of us in the Christian church is that we have become gospel locals. Gospel locals that have grown accustomed to the gospel. We have grown accustomed to church fellowship. 
We have grown accustomed to small group Sunday school classes, and we, we treat it like clockwork. We clock in, we clock out. And the attitude that we often carry at church is, I've been there, I've done that attitude. And we find it harder to appreciate God and his church. In many ways, we have lost that sense of excitement. And so I believe what God has done in 2020 is sort of awaken us back to the word of God, looking for hope and answers, longing for fellowship with brothers and sisters. Because what's happened is that many things that have been taken away from us, many things have been flipped upside down. Church in the past, we took for granted. Fellowship with our brothers and sisters, we took for granted. But now we can't even meet with our brothers and sisters. It's become sort of like a foreign activity. We can't help but rethink our spiritual lives in light of all that has happened in 2020. And I think 2020 has been the wake-up call many of us Christians needed. And so I strongly believe what we need is not only God to come down and move us and revive us, but we, as God's people, desperately need to want the same thing. We need a revival. And so today I want to use two passages, one from the old, one from the new, to show you how revival came and what were the factors coming to play to bring about a revival. So the first story I want to call your attention to is a young man by the name of Josiah. Now the story of Josiah is remarkable on a number of levels, one which is highlighted in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1 to 4. I'm just going to read it one more time. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 1 to 4. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. He did not turn aside into the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of all the high places, the Asherim and the carved and metal images. And they chopped down the altars of the Baals in his presence. And he cut down the incense altars that stood above them. And he broke in pieces the Asherim and the carved and metal images. And he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Now here's the backdrop to this story. In the years leading up to Josiah becoming king, Previous kings and people of God were rebelling against God and his laws. And the result of this was complete chaos. People were doing as they pleased. Kings were doing as they pleased. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. And there was disorder and dysfunction in society. And it's sort of fair to say that this place of Israel was going through a downward spiral. And it was a godless culture heading towards destruction. And because of this, it was on the brink of God's judgment. And history tells us in the previous chapters of 2 Chronicles 34, his grandfather, Josiah's grandfather, by the name of Manasseh, had been the most wicked king in Judah's history, plunging the nation into the worst sins than the Canaanites did. Even though Manasseh, Manasseh repented later in his life, he could not undo the damage that he had done. Now, Josiah's father, the wicked Amon, he reigned only two years and he re-established the pagan practices of his father's earlier years. Now, into this wicked culture, plunging headward, 
plunging headlong towards destruction, were introduced to a new character by the name of Josiah. Josiah was pushed to become king. Now think about this. What were you doing when you were eight years old? I remember when I was eight, I was probably still playing with Lego, practicing viola, getting nagged out by my mom. This eight-year-old Josiah was pushed to become king. Now, what could this boy king do? After a few years, at the young age of 16, instead of going to the DMV to get his camel's license or being concerned about teenage love dramas or playing video games, Josiah began to seek the Lord. Now, I want to break it down like this. In chapter 34, verses 2 to 7, we see that he eradicated all the pagan cults that his grandfather and his father established. In verses 8 to 28, he starts to repair the temple. And in the process of repairing the temple for God, the priest discovered the law book. And from verses 29 to 33, Josiah made a very intentional effort to renew the covenant with God, which means a turning back to God. As a young man, he started a series of reforms in an attempt to turn the nation back from destruction. Josiah did right in the sight of the Lord. You see, I believe Josiah should set us an example. In the evil culture, in the corrupt culture that we currently live in, Josiah sought the Lord God and made an intentional effort to eradicate all the pagan cults in Jerusalem, Judah, and Israel, and rebuild the temple of God. And in that process, he discovered the book of the law, which was God's instruction for his people. In verses 33, it says that Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites. And he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Now think about what Josiah was up against. Although the people in his kingdom would, would claim to be followers of the one true God, they had incorporated all sorts of worldly practices into their worship, idolatry, replacing God with carved images, sexual immorality, all sorts of evil practice, practices. History tells us that they even sacrificed babies. These people claimed to be God's special people, but they were totally corrupt in their lifestyles. Now think about this. In Josiah's day, as in ours, there was a widespread lack of understanding of God's word. You see, in the 21st century, we are no different. Though we have many churches established, though we have many programs at church, I believe we have lost a love and understanding of God's word and his commands. You see, we have minimized God to be some sort of genie in a bottle. And you know, I'm speaking and preaching this to myself. Theoretically, I know how I'm supposed to view God from scripture, but from a street level, in my everyday life, he is no different to a genie in a bottle. And so what I think we need in the church 
in our communities and in our nation is a rediscovery of who he is, his character, and how he has actually revealed himself through his word. You see, only when we do that as a people group, we have a rediscovery of who he is, then all the idols that we have in our culture can be eliminated. All the man-made structures and kingdoms that we have held in such a high place will be exposed for what they are truly worth. We need to go back to the source, which is the word of God. God's word is our instruction manual. You know, when I first moved out of my parents' house and I had my own apartment, one of the things that I loved going to in Australia was Ikea. Now, for those of you who have been to Ikea, it's really fun, right? You get to see all the furniture. And not only that, you know, as a typical male, you think you can put everything together. You know, you go home, you tear the boxes apart, and you try to build the chair yourself, the bookshelf, the TV stand, and, and you think you know it all, right? But, but the, this is the reality. When I started to pull out these different pieces, I think, you know, I'm good at building stuff. So what I did was I chucked out the instruction manual. I got rid of it. I thought, this is, this is easy. It's Ikea furniture. How hard can it be, right? So my wife, she'll come home from a hard day's work expecting to see our furniture set up. Oh, the bookshelf, the TV stand, the chairs but she comes home disappointed because she sees a chair that's crooked, a, a TV stand that's upside down, a bookshelf that's not put together properly. And then she patiently asked me this question. She said, Ben, did you look carefully at the instruction manual? And to be honest, I, I didn't. So then she would say, well, Ben, how about we pull out the instruction manual from the trash can and let's look at it together and let's rebuild this funny looking chair, this funny looking TV stand, this funny looking bookshelf. Likewise, I think that's what we need spiritually, a rediscovery, a going back to the manual of life, the word of God. Because the word of God brings light into darkness for it exposes idols in our hearts and it realigns our spiritual lives. And that's what your leaders are there for, to, to, to show you, to be like, hey, let's, have, let's, let's go back to the instruction manual. Let's go back to the word of God. King Josiah, he knew the importance of God's word and he recognized that's what the people needed. If we want to have any peace and stability, we need to rediscover God's law and his commandments. We need to acknowledge his word for all that it is. That's the first step in our nation seeing revival. You see, I often think the answer to political tension, to all that's going on in our world, it's when our leaders can humble themselves and go back to the instruction manual, which is the word of God. The reason why this nation and many other nations, not only America, are on a downward spiral is because they fail to accept 
the word of God and all it has to offer. Now, there's a quick lesson that I want to teach you guys in regards to the life of Josiah in regards to the topic of renewal. And that lesson is this. We need a rediscovery back to the word of God. For Josiah, he knew in the day and age that he was living in, there was no remedy but the word of God. Only until we live according to his commandments, his law, his standards, then our nation and us as a church and individuals will start to feel peace and will start to have prosperity. Now think about this. Josiah, he had every right to complain and be like, I'm only a young kid. I don't know much. My family members were corrupt. They didn't set an example for me. Hey, God, why are you expecting so much from me? But King Josiah, he didn't go down that route. No. Even though he wasn't from a godly home, he lived in an evil day and age. Yet at an early age, he began seeking the Lord and he never turned away. Likewise, for us in times that we're living in, though the world may be against God and his commandments, though the world may not look favorably upon Christians, things seem like they're falling apart. We read of more evil and injustice, disease getting worse. We think, what can we do? We're just a small church in Saratoga. Well, we like Josiah can choose. Whether we want to look at our circumstances that we are in or our situations and come up with all sorts of excuses. Oh, my church is not big enough. Oh, my church is not into this. My church cannot do that. Oh, I'm young. I'm just a kid. We can actively choose to seek God and make a rediscovery back to his word and his ways. The choice is up to us. And if we want to see revival in our lifetime, then we have to do our part in earnestly asking God for revival. And we can do that by first recommitting ourselves back to his word. You know. At the start of the new year, many of you have this New Year's resolution. Right? Whether that's losing weight, whether that's um, picking up a new hobby, whether that's learning a new recipe, maybe that's even gaining weight. That could be a New Year's resolution. And a lot of you have this New Year's resolution of reading the Bible, right? As Christians, that's, that's, that's the most popular New Year's resolution, reading the Bible. So we're going to start reading from Genesis, right? And we start fervently. We, 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 pray, we, we pray, we read. And as the year progresses, things start to get busy. We start hitting Leviticus. We get bored of Leviticus. And before you know it, we're not reading the Bible anymore. We start these good habits. But as the year progresses, because of all sorts of circumstances in our lives, we start to drop away from these old habits. So I want to encourage you. Though 2021 may not get easier, though you're going to hit stumbling blocks in your Christian life, in the society that we're living in right now, the temptation is to turn to the world for wisdom and how to deal with your problems, looking to the world for answers. You'll be tempted to put your Bible aside and to listen to social media, to listen to the news, to listen to what the worldly leaders have to say. But I want you to remember, what you need is the Lord. Let your problems, let your situations, your concerns drive you 
to depend on him each and every single day, no matter how hard it gets. We need to seek him through his word, trust in him and lean not on our own understanding, but lean wholly on God. You see, revival begins with the word of God. And we've got to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Josiah, seek the Lord. And he never turned away from the Lord. Now, I want to encourage you. Make it your aim in 2021 to go back to the word of God, to seek him and to continue to press on regardless of what comes your way. The second passage that I quickly want to talk about is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Now, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me there. I'm just going to read it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. This is a, a very popular passage. Um, and, and this passage, many of you already know, but I just want to read it now. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Paul, in his previous chapters, from chapter 1 to 11, summarized God's mercy and, and grace for humanity. God's saving grace upon humanity now gives us the imperative on how we should respond. And that's found in chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. You see, God's mercy manifested through his spirit, work in our lives and gives us this renewal. And therefore, it should compel us to obey him and to sacrifice our own lives for him. And so I want to mention a key point in, in this verse, which is the renewing of your mind. If we want to see revival, if we want to go back to the word of God, we first must use the word of God to renew our minds. You see, as Christians, we need to adjust the way we think in accordance with the newness of life in the spirit. We need to, in a way, reprogram our minds. And this is not an overnight process. This is a lifelong process. And we need to be intentional in the way we go about community and in the way we go about reading our word, the word of God. You see, previously, when we didn't know God, our minds were up to no good. But now we know God. Now we have been called to be believers. We ought to reverse what we have been taught by the world and go to the word of God to approve and test what the will of God is. And this act is not meant to be just an afterthought. This act of renewing our mind through his word is something that is supposed to consume us that the moment we wake up, the moment that we go to sleep, we're constantly thinking about Christ. You see, many things that we do in the Christian life is sort of like an afterthought. Like today, if, if someone gave you a Christmas card or if someone gave you a present or if someone went to your house and dropped off vegetables or fruit, and then you're like, oh, oh, I better write them a Christmas card as well. Oh, I, I better go to the fridge and find something to give them back or, or return the favor. When it comes to the Christian life, things like reading the Bible, prayer, community life should not be an afterthought. 
the problem with us Christians is that we often treat these spiritual truths and spiritual practices as an afterthought. Oh, if I have time, then I'll go to community group. Oh, if I have time left over during my hard day of work or school, I'll read the Bible. Or if I have time left, I'll pray. But if we really want to renew our minds, you have to remember this. It should consume us because this new life that we've been given is one that constantly focuses on God. If we are wanting revival, if you guys want revival, we first need our minds and our hearts refocused and renewed to be ready for that great work of God. So when God's work comes, we as God's people, we're ready for that work. And so for us today, the question I want to leave you is this. Are we setting ourselves up for our minds to be renewed? Are we setting up our lifestyle for revival? Or is there too many noises in our lives? Too many noises in our lives distracting us from God's will. Too many noises distracting us from the revival of God. You know, ever since coming to the U.S., a lot of our young adults, college students, we go on road trips, um, we go camping, and and I, they always get me to drive, right? Because I'm the oldest. But when I drive, I find it very hard to concentrate. Why? Because there's a lot of noise going on, right? They want the music pumping, their side conversations going at the back. The person at the front is talking to me about church stuff. And the road all of a sudden becomes less clear. My mind is off in a million places. And, and, and before I know it, I either run the red light or I take a wrong turn into another highway. And I think in our spiritual life, whenever we have too many things occupying our lives, it starts to get in the way of us being renewed in our minds. It could be a relationship that we're in. It could be money. It could be our investments. Anything that may cloud our minds, all of a sudden, our spiritual lives lose direction and we can no longer discern the will of God. That's why I believe, as Christ followers, we need QT. QT short for quiet time where we just block off the noises in society, in our culture, where we block ourselves out from social media, TikTok, whatever it may be, and we have quiet time before God. You know, throughout church history, why our forefathers like Augustine, Jonathan Edwards, Dwight Moody, Billy Graham, why they were so close with God and why they were able to see so much revival in their lifetime? It's because a lot of them spent quiet time with God. A lot of them were not distracted. Or you could argue, well, Ben, they didn't have TikTok back then. TikTok is so entertaining. Well, guess what? I'm sure they had many other things that were quite entertaining back in their days as well. We just don't know of it. They were able to eliminate all the noises in their lives to seek God. And I think that's what we need today in our day and age. We need quiet time before God. Quiet time in prayer and in fellowship. How about this year when you have that quiet time? Put your phone aside. Put your phone on airplane mode and have quiet time with God. 
how can you create an environment that allows God to work in your life? You know, at the beginning of quarantine in 2020, in the month of February, I was involved in a very minor, very minor car accident. What happened was I was waiting at the red light stop. A car hit me from behind. And, and when it hit me, it was a bit of a sudden shock to my body. My body and my back was quite sore. Um, many years ago, I would have been fine. But because I'm like turning 33 now, I feel like I'm old. Um, I needed to go to the chiropractor. I got a series of x-rays. And, and the chiropractor said to me, she said, well, Ben, I, we believe from x-ray, uh, from x-rays and from the results that you need two months of treatment. So I don't know why they, they wanted to give me this two months of treatment. I, I honestly believe it's because of money uh, or other factors. But they said to me that I wouldn't, they said something to me that I'll never forget. I said, coming to chiro, chiropractic work is, is no quick fix. There's no pill that you can take to relieve the pain that you're feeling or the tension in your back. There's no exercise that you can do that will, will fix it in one go but there are some steps that you can intentionally take at home, like taking screen breaks, getting a better chair, doing stretches, icing your back, that will create an environment that is helpful for your healing. And if you create this environment that is helpful for your healing, then we believe, Ben, you'll be back like never before. Your back will be, will be, will be back to full strength. And as I thought about this, as Christ followers, can we do our part? Things that we have under our control at home to create an environment for revival. Whether that's quiet time, whether that's eliminating our phones, whether that's joining community life, whether that's seeing worship at home, whether that's being part of a discipleship group. Things that we all have under our control to create an environment that allows God to revive and renew us. You see, God does this great work of revival. I believe that. But I also believe that we need to cooperate with him. In other words, we need God's holy fire to come down, right? But we as the carriers of that firewood, we need to be renewed and revived and ready for that time to come. We need God's fire to come down, but we need to go and prepare the wood to be ready. There's one Welsh preacher that I quite enjoy listening to. He's a very old preacher. He's passed on now. A, a Welsh preacher by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he says this. What we need in this day and age is not more knowledge, more understanding, more apologetics, more reconciliation of philosophy and science and religion, all modern techniques. No. We need a power that can enter into the souls of men and break them and smash them and humble them and make them anew. And that is the power of the living God. And we must be confident that God has this as much today as he had 100 years ago, 200 years ago. And so we must begin to seek the power and to pray for it. We must begin to plead and yearn for it. Friends, I believe that's the attitude that we need to have in regards to revival, to 2021. We need God to come down and move us once again. We need God to come and revive our nation, revive our community, revive ourselves. We need an external power that cannot be explained. 
And we must be expectant for God to do that work. But all the while, we must want it. We must yearn for it. Like a husband that longs and yearns for his wife, we must yearn and long for a revival in our nation. So my prayer and hope is that you guys at Home of Christ in Saratoga rise up and build together in 2021. Have a rediscovery of God's law and who we are before him. Let us be renewed in our minds through the word, through prayer, through community life. And let us be prepared for whatever comes our way in 2021. One day, you guys will come back together. But in the meantime, keep leaning in to worship. Keep leaning in to your leaders. Keep leaning in into fellowship. Keep leaning in to your word and to the prayer. Stop coming up with excuses. Oh, I can't do that. I don't have the time. Stop coming with excuses. Keep leaning into fellowship. Keep leaning into one another. And let's keep asking and yearning for God to revive us so that we can praise him once again. Let's pray. God, our Father, we ask for a revival. We ask that in the depths of our souls, you give us that yearning and longing for revival. Lord, we need a revival in our nation, in our community, and in our own individual lives. Lord, we need a realignment back to your word, the instruction manual for life. Lord, help us to be renewed in our minds through your word, through your spirit, so that we can once again praise you. Lord, help us to lean into prayer, lean into community life, lean into discipleship, lean into our leaders for revival. Oh God, help us, oh God, because we, lead, we need you like never before. Help us to have quiet time. Help us to come before you and examine our spiritual lives. Lord, help us to not become like gospel locals where we, where we are so accustomed to church, where we have lost that sense of excitement of who you are and what your word has to bring. Lord, give us a heart, a new life, a new heart, so that we can testify to your grace and be salt and light to this nation, which is in so um, in desperate need for you. Help us to be that light. Help us to be witnesses. And help us, O oh God, to live a life that is pleasing to you. And I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen.